11, there is a story sweet to hear. I love to tell it too. <clears throat> trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. Do you ever think about that? There'll come a time and there'll be no time but it will be an everlasting now and eternity. Think of the words of this lovely old hymn when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear, tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ 
will soon appear in power and greatly. What a lovely hymn. Think again of these lovely words as we sing them together, please. hymn tonight is the hymn 211. There is a story sweet to hear. I love to tell it too. We'll stand together while we sing this hymn, please. Let's all stand together after the opening lines of the
verse and chorus on the come. together in prayer and when we've stilled ourselves in God's presence I'm going to ask our clerk session Mr. Phil Moffat to come and to lead us to the throne of grace in prayer please let us all pray Father in heaven we thank thee again that we can gather for the gospel this evening here in Dalriada. Thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the message which is old, but ever new, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, and that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We thank thee that many of us can look back to a, a service such as this when we came in from off the street and sat under the sound of thy precious word and then something very strange began to happen. Spirit of God began to work upon our hearts and souls. We may have had a head knowledge of God, but we never had the heart knowledge of the Saviour. And as we sat under the sound of thy word, how the Spirit of God moved and showed us the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of this old world. We thank thee, Lord, that the Spirit convinced us that God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we do thank thee that in the fullness of time, the Spirit convinced our souls that we were without God and without hope in this world. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, that thou didst not leave us out on the mountains, wild and bare, and away from this tender shepherd's care, but that the Lord Jesus drew nigh. And under the influence of the gospel, we became concerned for our souls as to where we would spend eternity. We pray that as the word of God goes forth this evening, that it might do so in the power and in the demonstration of the spirit of God. And to this end, we pray for thy servant who will come in a short while and Break unto us the bread of life. We pray that as he, he does so, you will close out the world 
and closes in with thyself and with thy great offer of mercy. We think of those who will minister in song and we thank thee for the, for the ministry of music and how thou hast blessed our people with this ministry. And we do pray that as the word of truth come and minister the gospel in song this evening, that thou wilt speak to needy hearts and souls. We do ask, Lord, that it might be a timely message this evening. A message direct from heaven to each and every soul gathered in this house. And we pray, Lord, that it might please thee to take us away from this service, rejoicing in the God of our salvation. Will thou not rend the heavens this evening and come down and, and tabernacle with us here in the school hall? And grant that lives might be plucked as brands from the burning. That souls might be saved. That business might be done. And that men and women and young people might start for heaven and for home this very night. To this end, Lord, we hand the meeting into thy hand. And we pray that thou will take complete and absolute control of all that would be said and done, that it might bring honour, praise and glory to the matchless name of Christ. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. Thank you, Phil. You know Phil doesn't go to Dalriada uh, with an accent like that. Uh, he's from Liverpool, but we forgive him. Uh, and uh, we do thank our dear brother for opening in prayer, and we trust that the Lord will answer the prayers of his people. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We'll stand and we'll sing a few verses of this hymn together, please.
each night we have different ones coming to minister in song, and we're going to ask the word of truth if they will come now and bring their messages to us, please. The word of truth. <coughs>
God for the one who cares for you. You know, the psalmist said no one cared for his soul. But you know, there is one who cares for our soul every day, one who protects us, one who provides for us. And I trust that you know the one who is the Savior, the great shepherd, the one who came and gave his life for his sheep. We bid you welcome to the Gospel Mission again this evening in the Savior's name. We thank you for coming. We thank you for making the effort to be with us and to join us here in this gospel campaign. If this is your first time, we bid you especially welcome and we trust and pray that you'll come back again under the sound of the preaching of God's word. We also bid welcome those who are tuning in on Sermon Audio, Facebook and YouTube. And we trust that wherever you are, whether you are listening in now or at some later stage, that the Lord will bless the proclamation of his word. Continue to remember the mission as each night we're here, uh, two nights, Thursday night and Friday night uh, at 8 p.m., preceded by the time of prayer at 7.30, and then on the Sabbath evening at 7 p.m. here in the hall again for the preaching of God's word. Tomorrow night, Lord willing, the Hebron Choir will be back again to minister and song, and then Friday night, the Reverend and Mrs. Marcus Leggy from Cookstown will be uh, with us to minister in song. Just remember, as you leave, there's no offering. Uh, however, if you want to help with the expenses of the mission, then there are baskets at the door. I'm going to turn to another lovely hymn. I heard an old, old story how a Saviour came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. We'll stand while we sing this hymn together, please. <clears throat>
verse, have the nightingales, now we're going to have the gales in the night. So let's sing our very best. say you all sang very well. That means I'll not get lynched after the service. I'm going to ask a word of truth to come and bring their final message and song. And then after that, our old minister, Reverend Park, will come and bring to us the message that God has laid upon his heart. The word of truth.
I'm going to set this down. Hmm? I want to welcome you. Good to see all who have come. If you're here, as Mervyn said, for the first time, we're delighted to see you. Come again and bring others with you. Mervyn said <coughs> the other night, if everybody brings one more, uh, well then, if you all brought one more, the seats will all be filled. We're so glad to see so many out tonight at the mission. Victory in Jesus is, is a lovely hymn. It's one of my favorites, and uh, you probably noticed if you've been here every night that we've sang the hymn, at least in some form, maybe in the, the community singing or as one of the main hymns. And I sent a little memo to Mervyn today that it'll be the, the theme hymn, at least of this week, maybe the whole mission. But I don't know where his mobile phone was because there's only two texts and that haven't gone blue. You know what that means, eh? It hasn't been read, so anyhow, I'll just announce tonight that it is the theme hymn. It's at a funeral today, and the family said, before you begin, could you ask people just to make sure that their mobile phones are off? And I forgot to do that. And then somebody's mobile phone sort of bleeped uh, in the middle of the service. I was at a a wedding. It wasn't a funeral, but it was a wedding. And uh, many years ago, and the pastor who was doing the wedding he said at the beginning, will everybody just say hello to each other? Maybe I could do that tonight. Just speak to the person beside you. And if you can't think of anything to say, ask them, is their mobile phone off? <laughs> That's what he said. So, all right. Will you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 12? Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 16 through to verse 21. <clears throat> Maybe we should just read the three verses beforehand because that, that gets the connection um, that explains the story that Jesus Christ now relates from the 16th verse. He tells them a parable here by way of instruction. And if you have a Bible like mine, you may not. Through the, the chapters, there's little headings. And at the top of this uh, section from verse 13 down to verse 21, it's just written, beware of covetousness and that's really what the Lord is dealing with, and that's why he told the story that we're going to read tonight. Verse 13. One of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, 
Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Now, fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we give thanks for the mission, for tonight's meeting, for all that has gone before by way of songs and the ministry of music. We thank you for your precious word that has much to teach us here about covetousness and getting our priorities right in this earth and to really know what true riches are, not the things in this world, but the things in the world to come, being rich toward God, as Jesus says here. And we know that being rich toward God is to know him, is to have eternal life, is to be sure of heaven and home. And Lord, we know that this mission is convened to prepare men and women for eternity, to prepare them indeed for heaven, if they but come to trust in Christ as Savior. So settle our minds and our hearts down into your presence now in the word that we're about to hear. Give us the help that we need. Stand with us, Lord, in the gospel. Realizing my weakness, I turn to the Lord for strength and I cry to the Spirit that he might give me utterance tonight and power and wisdom for Jesus' sake. Amen. Tonight we've read about the life and the death of a very rich man. And as I look into this passage of Scripture, I call to mind the very searching question that Jesus asked. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? As I look into this story, I'm forced to to ponder the rich man of Luke 16. It is there that the Lord tells of a man who accumulated quite a bit of this world's wealth, pleasure, prosperity, and position. He had friends. He had status. He had a mansion to live in. He had servants. He had money. He had the best of everything, but he died and he went to hell. I gaze into this passage of scripture and I also call to mind the rich young ruler of Matthew chapter 19, who came seeking and searching after the Lord, wanting to know the way of everlasting life. But more than likely, he died and he was lost forever. Luke chapter 16, or chapter 12, outlines a story related by Jesus Christ of a rich man who prospered in this life. It gives an illustration of all men who live for the world and self and time and earthly things, and they forget about their souls until it's too late. This rich man is a representation of every sinner that is in this school tonight. Every sinner, in fact, living in Balamoni and throughout the world. Record is given of the life and the death of a very rich man. He set his heart upon riches. He could see no further than his present prosperity. He had no thought of God, no thought of his soul, no thought of death, no thought of eternity. No thought of heaven or hell or the afterlife. He just decided to live it up and he pushed God 
out of his life to his eternal cost. The very day that he prospered, the very day that he pressed on for enjoyment, the very day that he decided to make merry is the day that God said to him, your time is up. This man got a little taste of the world's wealth and enjoyment, but he was cut off from the land of the living, and he went to hell. And so I asked the question that I began with. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Tell me what profit is there in the world's wealth if you die without a saviour and you're lost forever? What profit is there in the world's popularity if you die without Christ and you're lost? What profit is there in the world's possessions or positions, or friends, or lusts, if you die without Christ and you go out into a lost sinner's hell. Nothing is more important, and I want you to get this tonight. I really want you to know that this through the whole mission. Nothing is more important than the salvation of your soul. To know, it is well, it is well with my soul. To know that you have a right relationship with God. A saving relationship. To know that when you come to the point of death, it will for you be absent from the body, present with the Lord in glory. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what we possess, doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what friends we make, what society we mix with, what wealth we accumulate, what satisfactions we enjoy, what sins we practice, what things we live for. If at the end of the day, we die without the Savior, we die without a covering for our sin, we die without mercy and forgiveness, we die without hope, and we're lost. Lost forever. I want you to know this, that when an unconverted man or woman closes his or her eyes in death, he falls into his own destruction. He wakens up in the torments of a lost sinner's hell. He opens his eyes in the darkness of perdition. And he lifts his voice and cries in agony, his body engulfed in the fires of hell. Hope is gone, mercy is gone, salvation is gone, opportunity is gone. And you know what? He becomes a believer in seconds. Realize that. People go through this life and they say, I don't believe those things. Don't believe in God. Don't believe in the Bible. Don't believe you need to be saved to get to heaven. No, no, I don't believe any of those things at all. I tell you this, when that kind of person dies, they become a believer. Not to the saving of their soul, but they become a believer in that they are lost forever and they know what the Bible said is true. Their eyes are opened, but it's too late. Get this reality into your soul. We all need to waken up. Waken up to eternity and eternity's values. So let's think tonight about what the Lord is teaching us here about this man, the life and the death of a very rich man. I want you to notice, first of all, as you look at verse 16, that God was good to this man. How do I know that? Because we're told here that the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He was blessed. 
He owned acres and acres of fruitful fields which brought forth bountifully. He received an unbelievable crop that year. Many a farmer would love to get what this man received. He covets after it, I'm sure, every year that when he sows his seed in the springtime and the summertime brings the, the growth of his crop. When it comes to the harvest, which is usually around this time of the year, maybe a little bit later into October for some of the crops, he would just love his land to yield in this way. Now never forget that fruitfulness, this kind of blessing, is from the Lord. One of the blessings promised to Israel was this very thing. When they would uh, live for the Lord, when they would walk with the Lord, this is what we read in Isaiah 30 and verse 23. Then shall he give the rain, that is the Lord, he shall give the rain of thy seed. And thou shalt sow the ground withal, and bread of the increase of the earth, and it shall be fat and plenteous. In that day shall thy cattle feed in large pastures. This verse is speaking about what God does. Gives the rain. Causes the crops to grow. Gives a bountiful harvest. Insomuch that it is described here as fat and plenteous. This is something that God does. He blesses the seed. He blesses the ground. And he gives the reaping time. We ply the fields and scatter as the hymn writer said, the good seed on the land. But it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. And when this man's ground brought forth plentifully, it was God that did it. And whatever we have in this life, God has done it. It was the psalmist David who reminded us, both riches and honor come of thee. And I ask the question tonight, as you, you look at this passage of scripture and you see how God has blessed this man, is it not true that God has blessed you in so many ways? The Psalm 145 and, and verse 9 declares these words, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. And that's true. Whether you're saved or not saved, whether you know Christ or not, God is good to all. It's something that we call common grace that affects so many people through the world. Whether they believe in God or not, God is still good to them. He has prospered you. He has provided for you. Sometimes the way may have been difficult. Sometimes you may have struggled. But every day right into this present time, God has given to you good things. He's given to you health and strength. Others have fallen so seriously ill at your side. But your health to this moment has been preserved. He's helped you through some of the most difficult situations and circumstances of life. I think we can all look back over those testing times, troubled times in our lives. And we wondered what we would do. And yet God brought us through in his grace and in his mercy. Thousands have fallen at your side, but he has preserved you, preserved your life. In him is the breath of life. Many have died in car accidents and other tragedies. But every day, his hand of protection has been upon you. Hasn't God been good? Then, of course, you've been brought up in the gospel. For many of you, it might not be true of everyone in this meeting tonight, but I think it's true for the majority sitting here. You've been brought up in the gospel, at least with the knowledge of the gospel. 
Most of you, 99% of you were born here in Northern Ireland. Despite all the problems we have in this little country, it's still a country where the gospel is known, where the gospel is preached. Every city, every major town, and most other towns and villages have faithful witnesses, faithful preachers, churches that preach the glorious gospel of Christ. For some of you, we can say that you've been brought up in a Christian home. Your parents knew the Lord and you were taught the gospel. And that is a tremendous privilege. So God has been good, even in the gospel privileges that he's extended to you. And you've heard the gospel hundreds of times. Very possible someone's here and you've only heard it once or twice. But again, the majority, you've heard it over and over and over again through the years of your life. You've sat in meetings like this, time without number. Sunday night meetings, gospel missions just like this. And that's the goodness of God to you. And you've heard the voice of God speak to you. I know that. In fact, some of you have even testified to that. That God has spoken. Sometimes he has spoken softly. Sometimes he has spoken loudly. Just to get your attention. But there in your heart, in your soul, God has spoken. I want you to see that is his grace toward you. That's his goodness. God has been good. And if you count your many blessings and you name them one by one, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. God was good to this man, and God's been good to you. But I want you to notice, secondly, look at verse 17. Verse 17 through to verse 19. This man shut God out of his life, despite the fact that God was good to him. Look back in verse 16. The ground of this man brought forth plentifully. Verse 17. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. You know what the Bible tells us about God's goodness? In the book of Romans, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Because God has been good. And all the ways that I've mentioned and hundreds more ways besides. It ought to lead you to repentance and faith in Christ. Not so for this man. God allowed this man to prosper. But God was not in all his thoughts. He didn't say when his ground was blessed in such a way. And the harvest was given in such a mighty uh, way. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. He didn't say, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in my eyes. He didn't purpose to give his tithe and his offering to the Lord. No, he decided to live it up. He says, they're mine. All mine. And I will put them into a great barn and they're going to do me for many years. And then he says, soul, take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. What did he do? He presumed upon the goodness of God. That goodness that had been with him thus far in his life. He presumed that that goodness was going to continue. (coughs) There was no thought of God, no thought of his sin, no thought of repentance, no thought of salvation, no thought about his soul. What did he do? He shut God out. 
Are you shutting God out tonight of your life? Will you never learn? Have you re- how have you reacted to the goodness of God? Is it leading you to repentance? Is it bringing you to Christ? What have you been doing with all the mercies that he has heaped upon you in your lifetime? Sadly, some of you are still living for self and you're shutting the Lord out. God has been good. You ought to have come. You ought to have been drawn. But no, you have not come to Christ. There's something else I want you to notice here in the third place. Look at verse 20. God shut this man out forevermore. You can't presume upon the goodness of God. I often think of the words that we have in the book of James, the the story that is related here about the businessmen that were boasting about buying and selling their goods and making a lot of money. Let me just read the verses to you. It's James chapter 4 and verse 13 through to 15. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life that is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away? For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. See what James is speaking about? Businessmen, businesswomen evidently. We're going to go into that city. Maybe they'd heard that that city was prosperous and Business was doing well in that city. We're going to travel there and we're going to bring our goods there. They believed whatever they were selling was going to sell. And we're going to stay there a whole year. Never thought about God. Never thought that maybe they would die on the journey or they would be stopped some way on the journey. Or when they got there, they might become sick and not be able to trade. They never thought that thieves might have robbed them as There were many thieves in Bible times and they wouldn't have their wares to sell. Never thought that maybe they would die during that year. What's being taught is you should say, if it's God's will, I'll do this or that. You cannot presume upon the goodness of God. Observe the conclusion of this story. And remember this, that it's God that's speaking. This is the verdict of the Lord. This is His sentence that is being pronounced. He's exercising justice. And God calls this man a fool. Because only a fool shuts God out. Only a fool takes heavenly blessings for granted. Only a fool decides to live it up for self and for the world. And ignores the mercy of God. Only a fool refuses to consider his soul. And eternal matters. Only a fool closes his mind. To the reality of eternity and hell itself. And there's many a fool. Very very sadly. Right here in Balamone. God speaks about the departure of the soul. Did you see that? That very night. Think of it. That night. He wasn't thinking about dying. He wasn't thinking about passing from this scene of time. I'm sure it was the very last thing on his mind. But that very night, death would overtake him. In our possession is a soul. 
a soul that is immortal, a soul that will live on through the countless ages of eternity. And one day, you see, that soul is going to leave the body. That happened for two old people this week. Sister Maud Graham was buried today. She lived, she lived long, 90 years, in the very same housing area up there in Antrim Park. Another old man of 90 passed away, Andy Bomber. We, we've been praying for him also as a congregation. They both passed away in Causeway Hospital. The soul left. They had long years, but we're not guaranteed they were going to live to 90. Very few people do. And then we hear of younger people, don't we? Ivor was praying for the family of a young lady that was taken so suddenly yesterday, just 51 years of age, found dead in bed. The soul left. And the soul is going to leave your body one day. This night, God said to this man, thy soul shall be required of thee. God speaks about the vanity of riches. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You're going to leave them. You're not going to take anything from this world with you. None of the riches, none of the possessions, none of the things that you have, they won't go with you to the life to come. You're going to leave them to others. Who, who, who will have them? Your family, your friends. If you haven't made a will, they'll fight over them. But you're going to leave it all behind. The rich man was blessed with prosperity. And he said, soul, take thy knees. But God said, you're a fool. Tonight you're going to die. Tonight your soul is going to depart. You're going to stand before God. You're going to give an account. And for this man, unready and unprepared, that very night, sealed his doom, he would be in a lost eternity. And you know the sad reality is this. He was going to die and he didn't know it. He was thinking about the future. He was thinking about the bumper crop that his lands had given. Pulling down his barns, building new ones, being able to live on the prosperity for years to come. That's what he was thinking about. But that night, he was going to die. Went to the door of his farm, perhaps, and looked out across those acres of fields and, well, just rejoiced in the great crop that he'd been given. Breathed in the air of that morning and thought to himself, I'm going to be a wealthy man and I'm going to live for many years on my wealth. But you see, my friends, when he said, soul, take thy knees, God said, here's the verdict of God. You're a fool. That night he must die. And God shut him out. It's as simple as that. God was good to this man as he's been good to you. This man shut God out of his life. And consequently, when he came to this moment that night, when he would die, God shut him out forevermore. I wonder as we close tonight, have you been taking your ease? You haven't really been doing anything about your soul's salvation, getting right with God, coming to know Christ, preparing for eternity. Maybe you're thinking, I've got many more years to live. 
What if God says this night, thy soul shall be required of thee? We know of those who have come to gospel missions. They never lived to the end of the mission. They walked away without the Lord and God had said this night. And that night they died. Are you ready? Come out of your ease, man. Come out of your comfort. Face up to reality. Face up to the need of your soul. Get right with God. Do it tonight. Let's pray. Think of those people that stood around the Lord that that day, all worried about the inheritance. Whoever it was in the family wasn't dividing the inheritance the way that it should have been. Maybe they wanted to keep it all for themselves. It's interesting the Lord didn't get get embroiled in that controversy. He wasn't made a judge over those matters. He came to be the saviour. But he did take the opportunity to set before his hearers and those people who came to him the importance of seeing to the matter of your soul and not to be covetous and not to be desiring the things of this world. Don't let those things, whatever they are that's keeping you back from Christ, don't, don't let them take you to a lost eternity. Far more important for you to be right with God, to be saved. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're before the presence of God in this meeting. How was it with you, spiritually? Do you know the Lord? Are your sins forgiven? Are you ready for heaven? If not, you need to do something about it. What do I do, preacher? Come to Christ. That's the answer. And praise God, he'll save you. We can be of help, we're here. And as we say so often in our gospel meetings, don't go away without the Lord. You can come and speak to me afterwards. Speak to many of our elders, maybe a Christian that's with you tonight. Tell them the concern of your heart. Just say, listen, I would love to be saved. I want to come to Christ tonight. Can you help me? O God, our Father, thank Thee for gospel opportunities. Thank Thee for Your goodness, not just in the temporal things, in the physical things of this life, but, Lord, in those matters that are spiritual. You've given to us the privilege of the gospel. You've given to us a knowledge of God and what God requires. You've shown us in the Word how we can be reconciled to a God that we are estranged from. You've pointed us to Christ as the only remedy for our sin and the only way to heaven. Make men wise unto God's salvation. Defeat the devil who would keep them in sin and keep them from coming to the Lord. Lord, make this a saving night in their experience for Jesus' sake. Amen. Another little hymn that I love because it expresses exactly what you need to do. 
at the end of any gospel meeting, and that is to come to the cross. Will you say tonight, I'm coming to the cross? I am poor, I'm weak, I'm blind. I am counting all but dross. I shall fool, salvation find. We're going to sing just this first verse and the chorus. Think about it. Pray it in your heart. Thank you. Think of the man that went into the temple that Jesus told us about, smote upon his breast, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Bring people to that place tonight where they'll cry out, save me, Jesus, and save me now. Take us home with the word of the Lord ringing in our minds and our hearts. Bring sinners to Christ for Jesus' sake. Amen.